Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Hey, um, it's, it's great to be here. Just a quick photo of our family. If you haven't met me, this is my family. Uh, I'll let you choose who's who here, but this is my wife, Phoebe, uh, and our two children, Charlotte and Benjamin. Charlotte, just a few days ago, turned five, and uh, Benny's just turned two a few weeks before that. And so life for us is pretty full noise at the moment. We've, um, we've had the privilege of serving in this house for about 12 years uh, as part of the team who launched it before we went on a short-term mission trip that turned into something slightly longer than that, pastoring in Nelson and then in uh, our city campus in Auckland in the Quippers Church family. And I just want to welcome, if you're joining us online, it's great to have you today. Uh, and for those of you in the room, I pray that what God's put on my heart for today uh, would land just as much with you as it has for me over the last few days. Hey, we're in, a, um, we're in this great series uh, called What Works. Sounds super foundational, right? But I think there's a depth to this that we could go through just another series and hear it, or actually we could engage with this. And I've had the privilege of engaging with this in a few different locations. Uh, It's the third preschool for our kids this year uh, that they've just recently settled in. And uh, how many know the safest place to be is in the will of God? The best place for my family to flourish is in the obedience of the parents, just to say yes again and again and again. And somewhat out of uh, expectation, really, we weren't really expecting this, a little blindsided. God's got a sense of humor. Uh, Come the end of last year, we felt really provoked at the end of the fast that maybe the assignment that we had been given for Nelson had come to a finish. And so I started another awkward conversation with Pastor Sam and said, I don't really know how to have this conversation, but I wonder if we've done for Nelson for this season. I just want to submit that to you. And, uh, and that landed us in Auckland and then here. And, uh, and we're excited. We're really humbled just to be back in the room. And I want to just for a moment recognize that for, for many, many years, teams of great people have served and bled for this environment, that it would benefit all of our life, our families, our world personally. And I don't just mean your wonderful pastors, uh, Jono and Emma, who are very great friends uh, of ours, but I mean uh, the wider leadership team, not just in this season who are serving, but for many seasons now have served and bled and sacrificed just to create an atmosphere where we can all engage from, we can all benefit from. I wonder for a moment if you put your hands together just to honor decades of team who have served for you. Uh, as we unpack this series and what works, I wonder if you could flick through. I want to point you to a scripture in, in the passage of John chapter 8. It says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Oftentimes we tell each other that the truth will set you free. But we forget actually the context of the whole passage is it really says to us that you should know the truth. That word know is interchangeable with obey. It's actually the truth that you obey that will set you free. It's not enough just to recognize and understand it intellectually or be able to memorize scripture, which is helpful, but it's actually the stuff that we apply that has the power to set us free. And as we work through this series on what works, I pray that like me and like so many of us here, it would really mess you up in the best way. You would engage with this and wrestle with this. I love what Pastor Shane Willard says. He says a good sermon is not supposed to be agreed with and just for the record or disagreed with but it's supposed to be wrestled with. 
And I, if I can give you the concentrate version of some pretty large and significant messages that I've had the privilege of hearing recently, we can talk about prayer. And I'd like to think that in this room, if I was to say, hey, prayer works, come on, relationships work, marriage works, forgiveness works, community works, faith works, worship works, that we wouldn't have a disagreement. If we do, I'm going to have a long morning. We're going to have a night service today. Just hope you brought lunch and camped out because this is going to be a great day to shift something. I pray we're all in agreement on that, at least at a foundational level. Can I ask you this, though? When was the last time your prayer life changed you? Because the only prayer that really works in your life is prayer that changes you. And if you were to take stock and say, hey, in my life in this season, I, I can recognize those times where God has shifted and challenged and changed something in my heart. That's the prayer that works. When we talk about prayer, I talk about forgiveness. And there's something about forgiveness that requires us to just die to our flesh. We like the concept, but the application sucks. It's awful. It's nasty. Uh, sometimes I would prefer to be comforted in my disobedience. Because it's comfortable to hold on to offense. It's comfortable to hold on to pain. For us as a, as a family, recently we've gone through a few months where it's probably the most personally sacrificial of our lives today, at least together as a family. And not being able to pay basic bills. I'm not talking about your haircuts and the clothes for your children. I'm talking about their ability to live and eat. I can't tell you what that does to a father and a husband. And it brought this PTSD up of so much in my life. And I don't know about you, but seasons of sustained pressure in my life have a funny way of surfacing hurts. And I realized with great support around me and great encouragement and access to some of the greatest uh, counselors, which I, I'm, I'm all for. I think we underplay that. We underrate that because our pride gets in the way and we don't want to be free as much as we want to be comforted holding on to our offense. And I realized for a moment, really rebuked, that God said, are you going to deal with this? Would you deal with it? And so I had to engage in a process of some difficult conversations to say, hey, can we talk about this? When this happened, this is the impact that it's had on my life. But I wonder today if you could help me understand what was your intention? Was there more to the story that I'm not aware of? Because it's about giving grace to another person. Forgiveness is about giving up my right to be offended, but also acknowledging that there might be more going on that I wasn't aware of in the context and the intention of life. And rather than be comforted in my disobedience, to submit to a process of freedom. And on the other side of that, we had 14 weeks of our kids being sick in a row, just to chuck in a season of severe financial difficulty. And I have found the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I'm just, I'm humbled. Like I say, we're so grateful to be home. We talked about for a moment Sabbath and this idea of slowing down enough for this restless desire to just pause. That slow works. It's counterculture it is to this world of hustle in this life. I love the message on community, how it requires a common sense of unity, how together there's strength, there's an answer. I believe God often solves problems with people. When the world got messed up, he gave us Noah. When a bunch of Israelites were bound in captivity for a long period of time, he brought us Moses. When we needed to understand freedom that we have and who he is, he gave us his son. God answers problems through people. And I wonder if there's problems in your life that the people you need the answer from are already in the room. 
if you really want to go there in your prayer time this week, I wonder how many problems in your life where you are the answer. But God has equipped you with everything you need. If we would lean in and trust Him. I'm not going to do this, but if I was to say, hey, put your hand up, show your hands, who feels lonely in this season? I love that even in the physical response of lifting a hand, it's something about this draws me closer to my Creator. He loves me so much, He won't even leave me alone in my loneliness. You're not even alone in your loneliness. And then recently we heard this beautiful acronym around how peace works, which was to pray, right? It was to pause, to rejoice, to ask, and to yield. Good thing I've got a good memory because I'm a little red-green colorblind, and this is super difficult to read for me. So thank you for your grace. I've uh, Recently in my new role, I got a, a dashboard updated from various shades of green because I couldn't read it. It was awesome. Yeah, so I identify with a limited color palette for you today, and this series just happens to be red. What works? I want to talk to you on a, on a uh, really on a mountain of what works, on a foundational mountain. And if you were to ask anybody who knows me, the top three definitions of describe Nick, this word would come up every single time. In fact, uh, recently, last week, I was interrupted at conference uh, with the president once again who called me and said, Nick, I don't know how you do it. Can you just give me some wisdom and talk me through this area of your life? Because obviously you've climbed this mountain so successfully that the rest of the world is starting to take note. I actually want to bring a message today on patience. I can't even lie to you in church with a straight face as we start this message. I'm going to tell you right now that this is a mountain that I have not climbed. But can I just say that I'm not sure that anybody has, right? Like, I feel like this is one of those things where eternally, until this side of heaven, shy of Jesus, none of us have mastered this thing called patience. Like, if I was to walk everywhere like he would, I wouldn't probably be able to keep my job because I don't want to get up that early and walk in from Rollywood all the way to, to the city. But we have the sick motorway now, and it's beautiful to speed on. It's all right, there's grace for this here. Um, in this season of life with young kids, for us, nothing tests my patience like my five-year-old and my two-year-old. If, if you're a parent in this room, maybe you can identify, but I've somehow raised every ounce of strength and stubbornness that we have corporately into two young people. I've never squared up before with a five-year-old or a two-year-old. It takes all that's within me sometimes just to be calm and firm and hold my ground with. My kids are fearless. Like fearless, and I love that, and I don't want to ruin that in their life, but sometimes it stretches me to love them well when they are fearless in front of their dad. Yeah, it's good. Just This is a confession time. Just get this off my chest. Just wanted to just engage with you for a moment just so you could see the humanity that you'd stuck with for the next 10 minutes or so until they kick me off. Is there, I don't know about you, but have you ever gone through a season where you prayed for this? Probably the dumbest prayer season of my youth was to pray for patience. Uh, I found uh, immediately the battle of the flesh. In fact, it doesn't escape me, the irony of yesterday with a uh, laptop just crashing and PowerPoint not loading for about two hours and not being able to access the slides and being so calm and patient. And, so one, and it was my wife's laptop for her work that didn't uh, almost get thrown out the window. I'm just a master of this whole topic. But if you're like me, you ever prayed for this, uh, you'll find you go, God, give me patience. You get up and someone's parked you in. How dare they, the audacity to park me in. And then you hit like a different time in traffic that you're not used to, and it's another 20 minutes of just sitting. 
in the car. And if you ever go to the supermarket while you're praying for patience, your line looks like the fast line until you get close, and then the FPOS stops working, but only on your line. And after a while, that old lady in front of you takes a long time to lift anything and to move and to respond. And when she finally does, you're so invested by this point because every other line is going that you're like, it's going to move, it's going to move. Last minute, you decide, like most of us, we're just going to try the other lane and then suddenly it moves. What is it about patience that brings out the best of us? I, I'm challenged by the fact that Jesus walked everywhere. I don't actually remember a passage in the gospel where Jesus ran. In fact, at one point he says that when someone was in desperate need because their daughter was sick and dying, he was interrupted. And the miracle of interruption helped set someone else free to the point where the young girl died. Can I say this morning, God is so willing to let your urgent and most pressing need die if it's based on a foundation of treating him like Santa Claus? This is what I need, God, do this for me. I desperately need it now in order to forge a foundation that would say, come on, the goal is not about what you can do for me, but it's about how close can I stay to you. And God trumps this move and, and, and he says, don't worry, she's asleep and raises her back to life in this moment and recognizes the loving heart of a father who says, I just want to be close to you. He's not concerned about what he can do for us. He's patient. He just wants to be close. And I ask myself this question, and I've got some theology for it. If Jesus was driving, how fast would he go on the motorway? I don't know about you, but you ever sat beside that person or been stuck behind that 95K an hour wonderful gift to humanity, and you pray blessings, and just lions and bears and overwhelming presence of God would so fill their life that they would pull off the road and have an encounter with God real quick, because it'd be great if they would just get out of the way. Or if you had that, there's other people who just rock it like a maniac. Here's, here's my theology on Jesus driving. I reckon Jesus did 100. Because it says that he came to fulfill the law. He never broke the law, but he fulfilled the law. So Jesus is 100. So if you get nothing else from today, you can go home and that's a good hashtag. Jesus is 100. So good. Hey, I want to give you some scripture and then we really just want to land this morning just in this whole area of patience. Let me throw you a few things if we can roll to the next one. In Galatians, it says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Patience. In fact, in Corinthians, the very definition of love, the first description of love is that love is patient. Later on, it says that live in such a way that no one will stumble as we minister. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. You know, if you're following Jesus, we all have the potential to carry the peace and the presence and the patience and the power of God as we minister. It says, we patiently endure trouble, hardship, calamities of every kind. And we prove ourselves by our patience. I want to ask you the question, if you went to court today charged with patience, is there enough evidence in your life to be proved guilty? Was that too much? Everyone went real quiet. I thought that was really good. But everyone, okay, that's okay. I'll go soft. That's all right. We can take this slow. If we can roll to the next. <laughs> what is John Obi? No, I'm kidding. It says in Colossians, we've not stopped praying for you. We ask God to give you patience. Later on, it says we're to be renewed, to become like him since he's chosen us. 
We've got to clothe ourselves with patience to make allowance with other people and forgive them when they offend us because God's forgiven us. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Can I say that the depth of your discipleship is evident on your patience? On the level of your patience in your life, it's a reflection of how well you've been discipled. You want a litmus test because love is patient. What's God been doing in your life? The fruit is patience. Patience is love for the long haul. It's slowing down enough to walk at someone else's pace. If we can roll to the next. In Romans, it talks about developing patience. It says there's more to come. We shout praise when we're hemmed in trouble. We know that trouble develops patience. Patience forges the tempered steel of virtue or character. There's something about being in trouble that we desperately need. In fact, I pray that today somebody who's overwhelmed with trouble in your life would be able to reposition and repurpose that because it's trouble that develops patience and patience develops character and it's character that brings hope and if you're in a hopeless situation actually sometimes the antidote to what we need for that situation is just to embrace the depth of trouble because of what God wants to do in us and rather than avoid the problem and ask God would you take it away I wonder what would happen instead of just asking for the answer if we were as passionate about asking God to develop the character in us to sustain the blessing of the move that he wants in our life that we were to say, God, would you shift something in my life, not only so that I could get to an answer place, but actually I could carry it for somebody else. I want to live with it in such a way that I can carry the presence of God for those around me, that I can sustain the move that he wants to release through me. But the only way that he can do that is if you're exposed to trouble. Somebody needs to thank God for their trouble. Because God wants to elevate and graduate your faith. So he surrounded you with something that would stretch it. What would happen if life was comfortable is nothing would ever change. Patience is developed and forged off trouble. Thank God for my trouble, which develops and forges our character, which brings us to the hope that we have in him. Really, here's what I want to land for you today. You can't keep what you can't wait for. You can't keep it. You can't keep what you can't wait for. If we have a look in Scripture, let me, let me just support this position for a moment. If we can roll to the next. It says in 1 Samuel, tells a story of how Saul, the first king anointed and appointed by God, is removed from his position because he lacked patience. In fact, he lacked patience so much that he was so overwhelmed by the fear of man, he forgot the fear of God. It's possible to lose what God has anointed and appointed you when we lack patience, when we start to pay attention to opinions of man because we've forgotten to focus on the fear of the Lord. Saul, it says of Saul that he stayed in Gilgal. His men were trembling with fear. So he waited there for seven days for the prophet Samuel as he'd been instructed. But Samuel didn't come. 
Saul realized his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demands, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings and sacrifice the burnt offering for himself. A lack of patience cost him his legacy. I want to just ask you the question, how is it that we hear that Saul realized his troops were slipping away? Could it be that he was focusing on his troops instead of focusing on God? He was looking out instead of up. A lack of patience says, just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrives and goes out to meet him and says, what is this you have done? And he replies, I saw my men scattering. You didn't arrive when you said you would. Isn't it amazing how a lack of patience will have you blame somebody else for your mistake? A lack of patience will try and make it somebody else's problem. And the enemy was ready for battle. They were ready to march. I hadn't even asked for his help, so I felt. Somebody say felt. If we follow our feelings, it'll mess you up. He says, I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You haven't kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, I would have established you forever. But now your kingdom must end. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. He's already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Do you know when it comes to driving, a lack of patience will lead you into a hospital to become a patient? Do you know when it comes to following Jesus? A lack of patience will spiritually mess you up and leave you in a place where you become a patient. I don't know what it is about our generation that wants it now. I got frustrated the other day because something coming from America took more than two or three days. So I emailed them because I'm so patient. It was this T-shirt, actually, and mostly the shoes that came with it because my other ones had a hole in it. And my kids are too fast to keep up with holy shoes now because they test my patience. You can't keep what you can't wait for. If we roll again. There's a single verse that describes this so beautifully in Exodus chapter 33, but I love what happens just before it. It says, when the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Something about the nation of Israel would come and wait when they recognized that God was meeting with Moses in the tent. And it says of Moses that inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to him face to face as one speaks to a friend. But afterward, Moses would return to the camp. The young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Here's what I want you to recognize today. It wasn't the person who saw God who entered the promised land. It was the one who waited. It's not enough just to see God move. We have to position our heart to desire to spend time with him. How do I keep proximity to you, God? Really, the person who led the nation of Israel into a place of promise was because they manifested the ability to wait on the Lord. Joshua didn't lose that. It says of him and Caleb that they were just as strong as they were when they started as young men. Forty years after a generation who were too impatient to wait had to die. They were the ones who were able to bring a nation into the promised land because they developed the ability to wait on the Lord. I don't want to just see a move in my life. 
I want him to shift something in my character that could sustain the move that he wants to continue to do. It's not enough for me just to witness a miracle. Come on, I want to carry the presence of God because I know that that in itself is the true miracle. You can't keep what you can't wait for. You can't do it. Let's go to the next. There's a passage in Galatians which talks about Abraham. He was 75 years old when God said you'd be a father of nations, so much so that you can't count the descendants like the grains of sand on a seashore or the stars in the sky. Have you ever prophesied something over a 75-year-old dude that requires him to have a baby? Uh, Wow. Right? 75 years. I don't know how much experience you have around 75-year-olds, but there are seasons in life, and babies are not typically a 75-year-old's game. They sleep about as much as you need for a new parent by the time you get to 75 because you're done growing, so you don't need any sleep. So you can have dinner at 4 p.m., but be up half the night. So it'd be quite helpful in some ways. But 75 years old, that's an old dude to say, hey, you're about to have a son. I want you, God gives him a word to say you're going to have descendants, so many descendants. Do you know 14 years later he gets sick of waiting? He tries to solve the problem on his own. It says, Abraham has two sons. One's from the slave wife and one's the freeborn. The slave wife, the son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. Notice this in verse 29. It says, Just as Ishmael, the child born out of human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born out of the, the porn of the power of the Spirit. We notice that the things that we try and birth in the flesh are persecuting the things that God wants to shift in our life in the Spirit. In fact, they're at war. They're still at war. My lack of patience creates a problem for me to deal with. And God's response to, I'm going to fix it myself, is to get rid of the slave son. Get rid of the slave and the son. They will have no inheritance of the free woman's son. It's a powerful passage when 14 years later from the 75, you're still waiting for God to answer. But God is so patient. 25 years later, he answers the call as a 100-year-old dude, as if 75 wasn't old enough. He says, do you know what? You're going to know that this is beyond a miracle. This is a move. You can trust me even if it takes 25 years. I wonder what's in your life that's going to take 25 years to birth. If we could have the patience to carry the promise and not wait for it in the flesh and say, come on, I'll solve it myself. God, I am still trust you. You're still good. I'm not going to sit on the back and just passively watch. I'm going to still engage and prepare my heart for the nation's that are to come because you can't keep what you can't wait for. Let's talk about Jesus. It's a good place to do that, right? Here we go. Jesus walks on the water. It says, immediately after this, which was after the feeding of the 5,000, pretty amazing miracle, really, just to feed that many people. We stood in lines just for a few people in Auckland again and Sometimes it takes a while for the food. To be able to do that for that many people is significant. But that happened on the back of several weeks of ministry. The guys were tired. They were spent. 
They went by the lake to rest and refresh and tune out. You ever been so tired that you just needed a break? Right? You start fantasizing about Bora Bora or Honolulu or maybe go and see Pastor Tico, but don't tell him that you're coming so he can't plan a whole itinerary so that you can just kind of have a holiday while you're there too. And on the last couple of days, you'll be like, oh, hi, we're in Fiji. Sorry, the Wi-Fi wasn't so good. I didn't post anything until right now. And then he fills out the last 12 hours of back-to-back ministry. But that's, this, is, this is the point where they're at. And then they get the news that John the Baptist has been beheaded. Not only are they weary and exhausted and tired and needing a break, now they're burdened, emotionally wrecked from their friend who's just been murdered. And this is the context where Jesus says, hey, bring them. We're just going to teach. Spends a whole long time, so long teaching them, has pity and compassion on them that he has to then feed them feeds them after this he says okay get in the boat and go across the lake you just need to get away have some time by yourself he dismisses the crowd and goes into the hills by himself to pray if you're looking for a passage on Jesus praying and waiting on God there are so many but I just particularly picked this one just because I can but there's so many times where it says Jesus went out into the desert to pray he went to the garden to pray he sweats blood he's praying with such fervor he goes up the mountain to pray Jesus was just in this constant state of communion I don't think there's anybody who embodied patience and the connection of waiting on God quite as well as he did it's pretty amazing. And he says he was praying so long that night fell. And then he sees his disciples far away from land struggling and still waits because he's patient. They're in trouble, but he's patient. It says about 3 o'clock in the morning, he decides, okay, I'm going to go to them. Notice that he doesn't run. It says that he's walking across the water, and they're terrified in fear, and they cry out, it's a ghost. It's the moment that they cried out where something shifted. He says he immediately responds, fear not, take courage, I am here. There's something about faith in our life that's voice activated. It wasn't that they were in trouble. God doesn't respond to need, he responds to faith. It's when they cried out, help! That's the moment where Jesus responds immediately. And I love what he says to Peter, he says, Peter says, if it's really you, call me to come to you walking on the water. Because Peter understood the safest place that he could be was in the presence of God. It was safer than in the boat in the storm. The answer to our problem is just closer proximity to Jesus. And then Jesus says, yes, come. So he gets out the boat and water skis. Pretty awesome. I love that Jesus walks. Now I'm not saying if your kid's running onto the street and there's a car coming, don't run. But I wonder, like on the highway, if we're traveling at such a pace that Jesus is doing 100 and we're asking them to keep up. I want to land for you today just on one last passage, just as the team come. There's a passage in Isaiah chapter 40. It says, have you not heard, have you not understood the Lord? It's the everlasting God, the creator of all earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power. Somebody say power. And strength. Say strength. To the powerless, even youths will become weak. Young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. That word 
trust is interchangeable with wait. And in our microwave generation, we often read a word, okay, I'll just wait. It's not passive in this one. It's not, okay, God, if you want to show me, you can turn up in my room with an angels, make sure they're in the key of C. I like that one, maybe C minor. That's nicer. If we could just have a moment to say, okay, if you'd write it for me on the wall, that'd be all right. Yeah, I'll probably take a hint. Sometimes we're waiting for God to bring us such a clarity of sign, but he responds to faith. There's actually something about waiting or trusting that's interchangeable here. That's an active verb. The Hebrew just talks about, and in the Greek, they both talk about this active verb. It's about searching, and it's about waiting with expectation. It's about trusting in the character and the goodness of God. It's about recognizing that faith is voice activated, so far be it from me to be overwhelmed by trouble and calamity and not give them to the one who's bigger. It's about actually engaging and persisting and, and not giving up, not letting go, saying, I can trust in you, God. Today I'm believing that as I wait and as I trust on you, you would put the weight of heaven behind me and we would see not just a refreshment for myself, but the move of God that only you want to do. There's a passage about that, this, which talks about it and I just want to read it for a moment. Because patience was a hallmark of the early church. I love this thought Something about our faith life wants to microwave it and we wonder why the middle of it's still cold. It says to hope, to anticipate, to trust. This is what it means to wait on the Lord. It requires faith, patience, humility, meekness, long-suffering, keeping His commandments, enduring to the end, to be aware through all of your senses what's occurring around you and discerning the right time to do the next thing. I wonder if you'd stand with me this morning. I don't know what it is about our humanity that defines what we do as who we are. It's been super disorientating for me in this season to go from pastoring a regional location into a CBD and now to come back and serve in the mountain of a corporate world. And I'll be honest, there's a few moments of processing this where it's really required humility that wasn't there I don't know what it is about following Jesus that sometimes I get in the way of myself and I identify a piece of who I am with what I do but I've recognized as God's really been massaging and working me through this process that the grace that's on my life will surface when it's needed. That the position is always up for grabs, but the call remains the same. I have confidence that if I've messed up and got it wrong and misheard, if he can send a whale to turn someone around, I'd like to suggest that I've got a soft enough heart to not need to sit in a fish for three days. I tell myself this. I hope I never have to find out. Friend, in the season, if you're in a season of transition, I recognize that can bring a sense of unease, disorientation, sometimes a 
fear or an uncertainty. I can question your identity because who I am is not wrapped up in what I do. What I do as a servant is an overflow of who I am. And I, I recognize today that there's no one in the room here that's not believing for something, that's not still patiently wrestling and waiting for something or someone. And I wonder, just in a moment, I'll ask the team just to lead us in something to give us a bit of a background, just to minister the truth of this passage. But I just ask, would you just pray for the need? Because it's voice activated. Just for a moment, forget about what the person sounds like beside you. We really just do this for atmosphere. I pray that the presence of God would minister to you like it has to me today in this space. But it's just to give you a covering so that you could ask God, do the business that you need. Just for a moment. Maybe for you, it just takes a second to close your eyes, stop distracting yourself and go, okay, God, this is my need right now. He already knows it, but sometimes it's good for us to bring it to this forefront. Here's what I'm believing for. Here's who I'm believing for. And just as you feel led in a moment, and I'm asking you to pray for a moment. God, give me the character to sustain the move, to sustain the blessing, to sustain the answer. God, help me draw near to you. We call them home. Come on, we're asking for you to move today. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.